Hey everybody, this is Darshan. I just want to drop a quick disclaimer before this episode starts. Uh, today's guest, uh, Dr. Nitin Moen, an epidemiologist, uh, was on the episode and we just want to reiterate that um, our views the uh, as the hosts in any way do not reflect um, the views of uh, uh, Nitin or uh, his employers or any sane person out there to tell you the truth so again um our views are our views and we make a lot of jokes about some of the stuff that was discussed but um nitin is very serious and doing a lot of really important work so we want to make sure that um you know is up front thank you enjoy Oh, uh, and for part of the podcast, for some reason, I sound like I'm on helium. There was some weird mic issue, so I'm fine. I'm fine. It was all technical reasons. I don't have another pull up my ass. Uh, okay, so welcome to what's our podcast called now? People of the Community Podcast. Or is it called podcast. podcast of the Community. Oh shit! My I, mic. Uh, no, this I episode. Uh, this is this episode's about. Uh, it's called debunking chiropractors. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, that's why you're on. We're gonna talk about if cracking backs solves cancer. <laughs> no, hold on yeah. a second. No, are you? Are you? Uh, is he a chiropractor? No, 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 no. no. Epidemiologist. Oh, I need a chiropractor. Of course not. I need. Uh, a does anyone really? I need think we all need one now. Uh, yeah, yeah no, either you, either you do or you stuff. don't, right? It depends where you yeah. what side of the Nathan, fence. Nathan, what makes you laugh more when a professor introduces himself or herself as doctor? Or a chiropractor, like which one makes you? <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass or, on or, that one. Or, or, or a DJ or a progra singer, because he has the Dr. Dre, Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, hey man, Sean, I think wanna... they all provide some form of therapy, so we'll we'll let them slide. Oh, that's a good. One. Oh, so so that's the that's the benchmark. If it's just you provide a therapy, because. You know, some people may say Sachin provides oh, some sort oh, of therapy. I got it now. I got it. Comic relief. Comic I got relief. it. I got it. It's perfect now. I was like this. <laughs> John, That's, that looks just like the yeah. symbol. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, welcome to Podcast of the Community. I have no idea what episode we're on. Uh, you've 27, got Sachin. maybe. 27, 20. I have no idea. Uh, I'm Gershon. We've got Darshan. We've got Sumit. We've got Sachin. And we today we have a very special guest. Uh, good friend of ours. Uh, his name is Dr. Nitin Mohan. Uh, he's a physician, epidemiologist, and partner. What does ETIOPHC stand for? Oh, so ETIO is this uh, etio? It's a short form of etiology, which is okay, usually the root it. cause, and it's just the name of a, a firm that me and um, a couple of buddies of mine came up with in uh, 2018. Got it. Got it. I, I, and you're an assistant professor at Western University. Well. Oh, for real? Yeah. God yeah. damn. Classy man. You're a classy man. Classy. This, this guy's smarter awesome. than all four of us Boy. combined if Albert oh, Einstein would kill us. No, no. We're no. seriously we're seriously outclassed. We should see can he single handedly bring us up or can we bring him down? None of us can even spell epidemiologist uh, or pronounce it. Because most of our listeners are from uh, went to Fanshawe. Could you explain what <laughs> you guys are? You guys are gonna get me in trouble. First time, you didn't warn epi- me about this. <laughs> what, what an epi- epidemiologist does, like what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, I think the um, the easiest way to look at it is we study data and then we look for trends. Um, the work I do specifically is population-based data, um, looking at infectious disease trends. Um, more recently, we've been working on the fun stuff with COVID. Um, and more and more recently, we've been looking at COVID specifically in the Southeast Asian context here in Ontario and Surrey, BC um, specifically, uh, which has been wild. I, I can't tell you guys how crazy life has been. Um, Darshan mentioned Grishan's old house parties. What I would do to go back to those, those days, um, you know, just yeah. pulling up at a house, playing some pool, hanging out with, with Grishan, and then all the people Whoa. that Grishan knows that trickle in and you get to network. Hanging out with Grishan and eight other dudes. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, what we would do, what we do to go back to an 80-20 ratio in a basement. <laughs> Somewhere Jesse Graywall's laughing his ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a question. Uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, they've approved it for anyone over 40 now, I think, right? Yeah. I'm over 40. Should I go get that vaccine? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Any and anyone over 18 that has a chance to get it, you should get it. It's it's um it's one of those things where uh if I can just sort of uh, hop into the fun stuff if you guys don't mind. Because okay. I feel like we have this window and I think your audience is really important um to sort of get this message across is that um 
the virus is disproportionately affecting the Punjabi community, the Southeast Asian community. The, the, the numbers can't deny it. You look at the hospital units, the ICUs, um, it's our people that are, that are getting the virus and that are suffering from it. And it's people that are, you know, we started off with people over the age of 70. We're seeing now 40 to 70. We're seeing younger people getting it. Um, there's a lot of stuff we're still learning about the virus, right? So we're learning about COVID long now. There's all these things that, that we're sort of um, getting, you know, the grips with. And as soon as we got an idea of how to manage the virus, we got some medicines that we could use like dexamethasone. We had an idea to position patients. So, you know, we used to put people on their back. We found out that was hard on the lungs. So we now we place them on their sides. All the things that we thought we were sort of making a wave with, and then we get hit with the new variants. And the new variants, they don't play. So they're, they're, they're stronger, uh, they're more infectious, and they cause worse disease outcomes. Um, and so now that's what we're dealing with. And it's tough because we have these vaccines that are coming in, maybe not as fast as we want them to come in, but a lot faster than other parts of the world. Like a lot faster than parts of the world that haven't had one vaccine enter one arm yet. And there's this hesitancy here. And I think that hesitancy, um, it doesn't mean you're an anti-vaxxer, but I think people have some honest questions. Like well, such and what you asked is a real question, right? Like, should I get this vaccine? There's a lot of shit I'm seeing out in the news and, and I'm, not, I'm not really sure what it means and I'm like, do I feel safe and all that stuff, yeah. Um, this is like, obviously- <laughs> So, so know, no, I have a question, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, Samir. Uh, you said long COVID? Lung, lung. Long, COVID long. COVID long. What what does that mean? COVID long. Um, so not long, but COVID long is, oh, is after, I thought it was long. Sorry. <laughs> after after you've gotten the virus and recovered, um, there's still some um, symptoms that you're going through. You're, you still haven't reached 100 percent A perfect example is Jason Tatum. If you guys watch basketball uh, from the Boston Celtics, he still hasn't regained his full energy. So he's taking um, an inhaler before and in, in between games. Uh, you have a lot of people will talk about how they haven't been able to recover to 100% of the energy level pre-COVID. Cam, Cam Newton throws grounders. He thinks it's baseball. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was in a pre-pandemic world, though, right? No, I, I like Cam. Cam's, Cam's, Cam's a good guy. I like Cam. Um, Nathan, Nathan, like, you know, if you were to ask all of us before this pandemic what, like, the sort of most iconic day in our lives was in terms of a global impact, probably be 9-11, right? That'd be that yeah. one day where everyone's like, the world stopped. This has lasted a year, and I feel like it's been much more impactful than 9-11. It's arguable, but I think that it has. Now, let's start from, like, day one. Uh, I remember reading in December and January that there's a virus popping off, and, you know, my first instinct is, well, well you know, China wet markets, it makes sense. It'll get contained, right? Um, what in January or February should we have started doing to minimize the impact of this virus? What should have Doug Ford or Justin Trudeau or is her name Teresa Tam? Yeah, what could have they done? Was the first thing they would have done, they should have done, to sort of like minimize the impact of this pandemic. So I mean, you know, I'll start off by saying hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy to play a Monday morning quarterback. It's it's really easy to look back. And I was actually working at the Public Health Agency of Canada um, in December of twenty nineteen as this was happening, and I was working in a unit um, called the Surveillance Coordination Unit. And what we did was we we monitored infectious diseases across Canada. Um, so this was sort of in our wheelhouse. We're watching this happen. Um, and I think what I'll stress is that um, <clears throat> so Canada has a, a surveillance system, a team that sort of tracks infectious diseases. If you look back at what was happening at that time, um, I think we can all remember the turmoil in the U.S. Um, so with the Trump administration. Um, and so if, if you don't mind, uh, Samir, I'm going to go a bit further back in terms of the, the comment you made about the wet markets. Um, so you're absolutely right. You know, I think the wet markets definitely have a, have a role to play here. But um, if you want to take a look at why this stuff is happening, it comes down to population dynamics. So global population is increasing at a rapid rate, and it has been for quite some time. What happens is when populations increase, you need to find places for humans to live. So what we do is we cut down forests and jungles, right? deforestation. So we want to, we want to create more land. We want, we want more resources. In these forests and jungles, we have these ecosystems of viruses that live. So an example is you have bats. Bats have droppings. Mice eat the droppings. Certain cats eat the mice, and this gets recycled in this ecosystem within a jungle or forest. So when we, you know, like in Canada um, or in, in a lot of other countries, what should be done is when you're going to tear down a forest or jungle, you should make contingency plans for the wildlife yeah. in order to keep that ecosystem flowing in, in, in a natural way. And, if and that's not... Yeah. You see that in, in, in Woodbine area, they've been cutting down and they made a housing development. The raccoons, the animals there don't know what to, like where to go. Yeah. So, yeah impact locally as well 
Yeah, exactly. And so what happens is you have these vectors and we call them viral vectors. And usually vectors stay within a certain ecosystem of species. Mm-hmm. When vectors jump, that's when we have a problem. And in this case, the vector jumped from whatever animal species into humans. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to figure out how that jump happened. But there is a way where something was processed and we can get into virology stuff, which is boring as hell, but that's at a really high level what happened. So in Canada, when this was going on, I remember seeing this stuff and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I wonder how serious that's going to get. And then, you know, we're watching what's happening in China. Things are shutting down and we're like, oh, that's, but, you know, the assumption is that it's contained. Um, I remember giving a lecture to my students last year t- talking about um, why there probably wasn't a lot of risk for us to worry in Canada at that time. This is January, I think, at this point, right? Um, so what could have done should have been done. So, you know, if you look back now, we can say close the borders, mandate mask wearing, procure a shit ton of vaccines right away, build up our manufacturing sector in Canada so we can make our own vaccines, um, pump a ton of money into public health at the federal level, at the provincial level, at the municipal regional level, like just let's go balls to the wall and let's, let's get resource and ready. That's what should have been done in an ideal world. The reality is at that time already in Canada, our public health systems across the country are severely underfunded. Like I'm talking, if there's one, if there's an epidemiologist at that time at your local unit, they're doing the job of two or two and a half epis, right? So there's a lot of data coming in. We have to figure out how to use the data. And it should be also noted that, you know, we're not, we're not working with state-of-the-art technology here in Canada. Like we still get data sent to the government via fax from certain places. Wow. Someone takes that fax paper, <laughs> has to input it into a system, take that data, yeah. transfer it to another system. And by the way, we don't have servers on servers where we can run SAS and R and all this stuff. Like we, like these, there's already issues in the system. So as this is happening, you know, we're, you know, we're watching it closely and, you know, there's, you know, you can talk about how it was reported from China and, and all that fun stuff, but one of the challenges we had is the U.S., which is the global leader um, in global public health. Like when, when the U.S. wants to play and, 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 they're, and they're about this, the world is in a better place. I can't tell you how much better off we are now that Biden's in charge and Trump. I don't know much about Biden's policies. I don't, know, I don't know about the details, but just from a global public health standpoint, the fact that Biden is in charge means the world as a whole now has a leader they need that has resources. Well, to be honest, right? so, Biden doesn't know about his own policies either. But in Canada, I, I, to me, you're sounding really far away. Yeah. In Canada, I think the guy rolled up with the whole uh, thing on the scribe like this. That's how we're doing. It's not a fax. He's just like, yeah. we have a new virus. There's a dude yeah. with a bell. There's a dude with a cowbell next to him. Eerie, yeah. eerie. You know, it was wild, but I remember in December, I, I was at home with my wife and I told, I was telling my wife and my parents and I said, hey, we should stock up. This is before everyone went crazy. I'm like, we should stock up right now. Um, and at the time, I think my dad's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, no, no, we should go stock up. So like, I, I went, my wife went to Costco, got everything but toilet paper because you're not going to all of a sudden start shitting a lot more with COVID. Like you're, 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 you know, your schedule stays the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we stocked up and then the world changed after that. And I remember watching it play out in real time was weird because we knew it was inevitable. So we call this pandemic one and we knew it was going to happen at some point, right? So we had SARS and SARS, you know, with, vir- with um, uh, pandemics and viruses in general, they're either very deadly or very contagious, right? So SARS was, you know, quite deadly and, and it didn't have the opportunity to become super contagious. Um, COVID is a bit more contagious and deadly, which means we have the capacity to treat people with COVID if we have the capacity, but it's not that deadly once we get to it, right? We're seeing that a bit more than new variants. There's going to be a virus that has a perfect balance of being contagious and deadly. And when that happens, so, you know, we're calling it pandemic too. When that happens, you're going to see um, numbers unlike we've seen right now. So this, this pandemic that we're going through right now is quite important that we get our, our stuff together, right? Like that we get the systems together. And so what happens with the virus is that, you know, like, let's say we cut the borders off right away, right? So December, you know, the government said, look, we don't know what this is. We're, we're going to risk a trillion dollars and we're just going to shut the borders down just to make sure at that time, right? You, like, that would cause havoc in Canada. People would have went crazy. Yeah, people are protesting in Toronto right now still on, on lockdowns, right? I mean, at that time, if you would have locked down the country without knowing for sure what was happening, it would have been horrible, right? We're still learning about if the virus is airborne, is it aerosol? Like, you know, how does it transfer? Is it through surfaces? You know, if I touch a, a railing and you touch it, do I get the virus? We're learning tons of stuff in real time. Um, so I think there were some things that were done well. I think in general, everyone in Canada acted um, proactively and as strong as possible during the first wave. Like the first wave, when you take a look at it in retrospect, is like, okay, a lot of good things were done. Um, yes. Since then, 
things have sort of, you know, like shits hit the fan, right? People have sort of gone off their own whim. I'm just, you know, like we see what Ford's doing here on it, sort of like disregarding the evidence and science and kind of playing willy nilly. Um, we started off strong. We've been sort of tapering, which is, I think, the scary part. Well, I think in, in speaking to that, because I still go to work every day, because um, yeah. I don't know how, but my job's considered essential. But the, <laughs> the first lockdown, I remember there was nobody on the road in the morning. I'd leave yeah. to go to work. It would literally be like me and like four or five other cars. You know, the same cars every day. And they were mostly just by looking at them, I could tell. Uh, they probably thought I was a truck driver too, but they were like truck driver type of guys, but it was like four or five cars on the road. This, this third lockdown, it's traffic in the morning going to work. Like, so I, like nobody's so, staying home. Such so you're, you're, you're a truck driver? No. 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 I, so, I, I wish I was. He looks like one and he plays the part sometimes. It's weird. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I, I bring that up because I think it's, it's one of the things that's really important yep. to talk about is that, um, so if you think about truck drivers, <laughs> they get paid as they work. Yeah. Right. So they don't work. Yeah. They don't get paid. What is the incentive for a truck driver to say, I'm going to take a COVID test on my own time. I'm going to mm-hmm. isolate for, you know, at that, no, now we're at two days. days. At one point it was, at one point it was a week, if not longer to get your results. So let me isolate until I get my results. And then if I'm, you know, positive, I can't go to work and there's no one paying me for my time off. Yeah, not right, only so, that, you still have the lease on the truck. You have the lease on the trailer. You have to pay the yard yeah. to park it. You're out three, four grand. Yeah, and so the wild thing is we, we knew this was going on and we said, okay, nothing we do can help these these people get tested. Right? Like, they, there's no incentive for them. On top of that, they're literally holding the economy up because they're the ones getting goods and services, not services, but goods back and forth across the border. So what some people did is they did something called the wastewater testing where they went to, you know, the on routes on the 401, places where you stop, you can grab a Timmy's and, and you hit the bathroom. So they, they started testing the wastewater, right? So they, they would test the wastewater for COVID. So where people, you know, go number one and two, they would go in there and they would say, okay, let's test it. And the rates of COVID were through the roof. Wow. And the people that use on routes more often than not are truck drivers, right? You stop, they can go to the bathroom, they can grab a coffee. And, you know, we saw this and we're like, holy crap, like the wastewater is testing through the roof. So what that tells us is people that are being forced to travel, being forced to work, they have COVID, right? They're just not testing and we're not, we're not able to get that data and put into our system that they're getting it. Right. And so now as we're telling a bunch of people to stay at home and say, you know, be safe, like I can stay at home. I mean, I'm, I'm pissed off with this whole pandemic, but I get to stay at home in, in, in you know, a nice heated or AC office and I get to work from home and I'm annoyed because I'm stuck at home. But I'm not risking my life to do a job right? because I'm being told to and that not even having the option to sit at home and protect my family. So now imagine, you know, like, let's say for argument's sake, such and you're a truck driver, you catch, catch the virus, you're asymptomatic, you have no idea. There's no incentive for you to get tested. You got to work anyways. You got bills to pay. You come home. Um, you know, like many people in our culture, we you you'll, you may be living with your parents. Mm-hmm. You may also have a wife and some kids, right? I'm and then you know, Cuba, like you know. <laughs> yeah, this is in Cuba, and, th- and then you might have your basement rented for some additional income. And everyone's and coming into the house, yeah, <laughs> right. And 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 then you see how the shit gets transferred really easily, person to person to person. Right. They did see, waste, is, I don't know. If, I don't know if Nathan knows this. They did a a waste and uh, water tests in the airport steals area, and yeah. all because of the side chicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, I, it was I, mostly jizz. Um, I, <laughs> I have a question. Um, That's not the medical terms. <laughs> oh, sorry. The misinformation, right? Like, yeah. okay, people are very skeptical when it comes to government telling you anything. Right. And, yeah. and, and particularly when they're yo-yoing like Doug Ford did this weekend, playgrounds are closed. Now they're open. Right. How do you ba- how do you battle that? How do you convince someone? And it didn't help. You're right. That Trump was there. How do you convince someone that a disease or that kills, would you say 1% or 0.5% of the population is worth staying home for? Because you have people like, because of social media, the, the, the alt-right is so strong. You have them. Well, these are just like flu, flu numbers. Uh, why are we starting out the economy when just one percent of the people are dying? It's all seventy-year-olds. They're going to go soon, anyways. How do you combat that misinformation? Because that's a part of, you know, adherence is a part of controlling a pandemic as well, right? Yeah, that's been the toughest part, Sunit, because um, the flow of misinformation is faster than when we can counter it with evidence-based mm-hmm. information, right? Because what we have, you know, we don't have the luxury of getting things wrong, which is why this the AstraZeneca question is such an ask is so important. 
yeah. right? Like we don't have the luxury of getting things wrong. And then when we have to walk it back and say, oh, wait, now, you know, from 55, we're going to 40. And even if you're 18 and over, it's safe because we haven't done a good job explaining things to people, right? Like this is why this, this platform is, and when, when Krishan reached out to me, I was so happy to do this because I, I keep getting the same, um, and, you know, like, like shout out to all, all the great journalists that, that, that have been covering this. Um, but, you know, the old form of consuming news is not what our generation does. Yeah. I mean, I listen to podcasts 24 seven, right? We, we scroll through Instagram and we get these tidbits of information like, oh, look, six plus says this. Okay, snapshot, retain that. Okay, look, Bramley Road says this, snapshot, retain that. And these people are doing a great job in getting information out there, but they may not necessarily be vetting it to a certain extent. They're just saying, I saw yeah. this and I'm sharing this. Then we got to come back and say, hold on, let's go through the like, evidence. Let's make sure we get it back to you folks and help have you understand it. And what we haven't done throughout the whole process is explain risk mitigation or risk reward analysis to people. So now we're getting people asking people to make these complex decisions when there's a big discrepancy in health literacy. So some people understand health and, and are literate in health, and a lot of people don't. And you know, this isn't, I'm not casting shade. I'm not, I'm not trying to, it's just life. It's just like, I don't know economics. I have someone who teaches me that, but I wouldn't try to pretend I know about micro or macroeconomics. I just don't. It's not my expertise. But there's a financial crisis when I'm seeing everything that goes on with Goldman Sachs. I don't necessarily understand everything I'm seeing on CNN, right? I just know this is bad, right? I'm losing a lot of money. And I think that's happening in the health space right now. The misinformation thing is really hard to combat. I just want to say, like, I feel you'd probably be fully qualified to speak about economics, if some YouTubers <laughs> can speak about vaccines and science yeah, with no qualifications and convince yeah. millions, like, holy Yo, shit. Let, let me give you an example. I've got uh, extended family and I, and I kind of briefly told you about them before, but cause I got into an argument with them as well. Uh, but oh, they- snap. I never seen yeah. a mad Gershon before. I wonder what that looks like. Oh, <laughs> oh he can get mad. Yeah, when Gary yeah, Price gets pulled, that usually pisses yeah. him off. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Why do we give him this contract? Um, but yo, so they there's nine people in this household. This is like there's nine people in the household. Set, all of them were refusing to get the vaccine. All of them, and uh, we had to get my family, who are doctors in Cleveland, to call them and intervene and say, "Yo, fucking step up!" Like, uh, yeah, you know what it is? They they want to see the BB dad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight. It's turning into a ZTV no, drama. Exactly. Yeah. You, know you know why they don't? You know why they don't want to see her dead? Because they'll lose an employee, bro. They make her do everything. It's fucking crazy. Oh, this, guy's dropping, this guy's dropping family drama. Yo, I'm sorry. This to the it, it actually. I'm gonna really steer this conversation away before. Well, it's infuriating. One way or another. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, and, and to Gershon's point, like yeah. um, the anti-vaccine movement's been strong, like since the beginning of time, right? And I understand not since the beginning of time. I think it's a, it's like, <laughs> well, uh, like maybe past five years, past ten years, maybe yeah. Sure. Yeah, Jenny yeah, McCarthy. I understand why. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. There were pictures. I saw these pictures. I don't know if they're real from like the Spanish flu time, like 1918, where mm. people are actually protesting against the same kind of stuff. Well, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of I understand people have been dumb since yeah. the beginning of time is what to me. Well, the African American community, the African American community has been like anti-vaccine because um, they've had issues with like vaccines before yeah. like the yeah. government of the 60s and 70s you know and i'm just experimenting why. on them it's, yeah yeah exactly um how do you convince an anti-vaxxer um that and this is not a small and this community is getting much larger and i i don't actually see it in the colored community as much i i you know, obviously there are instances but if you look at statistics um it's it's in, in the united states it's 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 white people that are most anti-vax how do you convince someone as a doctor, like, hey, it's okay to take the vaccine? And what are the number one concerns? Like, I think autism is a concern. That's why a lot of people don't want it. To, they think autism is linked to vaccines. What, what, what's something- It's not a real concern. Not it's not it's like, right? No. No, it's not a real concern, but a lot of people like- Yeah. I think the anti-vax, um, so there's a thing, there's an anti-vax group and there's a vaccine hesitant group. And what's happening right now is if you're vaccine hesitant because of the COVID vaccines, it's, it's as if people are either putting you into the anti-vax group or the anti-vax group is like, please come to your you know, long lost home, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple of things there. Mm -hmm. I think when we talk about the black population specifically, um, this is a, a, a population that has been historically disenfranchised by the healthcare system and government, mm -hmm. right? And now these two systems are asking them to do something 
that has never been done before. So mm-hmm. you can see why there is understandably some hesitation, right? It, it's up to us to go into the communities and explain to them why it's so important for them to get the vaccine, explain to them why, how the vaccine was made, why it's safe and, and what it's doing to protect you, right? And, you know, I think when I talk to anti-vaxxers or anti-vaccine um, hesitant people, and I talk to tons, and by the way, people should know that even when, when this was first starting up, I, I've had physician colleagues reach out to me way early on and say, hey, can you walk me through this? So it, it, like, I, I think it's important for people to know that you shouldn't feel bad. No one should make someone else feel bad for it. It's a conversation that we should have, and it's an opportunity to shed some light on it. And if you see people like, you know, we're seeing physicians, politicians, the richest people in the world have already gotten their vaccines. And, and they were front and center, and they wanted it before anyone else did. And what we're doing now is we're saying, listen, the people that are most affected are BIPOC populations, Black, Indigenous, people of color. We should put the vaccine in these communities first to protect them because they're basically dying at a higher rate than anyone else. And people in this community are saying, no, we don't want it, right? Well, they take it as like, uh, oh, you're trying to wipe us out. Yeah. Because when it was first announced that Indigenous communities were going to be first in line, they're like, oh, look, they're experimenting yeah. on them yeah. first. Yeah. And, and, and historically, yeah, you can yeah. see why, right? And yeah. Because that. And, yeah. and again, and I think that's that's something that we're doing better now. So in this equity-based lens, we're saying what we should be doing is saying these are hard-hit areas. Get them the vaccine first. Someone who makes two hundred thousand dollars a year who lives in, um, you know, lives in Bridal Path, they may not be the highest risk for the virus. Yeah, getting them the vaccine. Working from home. Working from home, right? So, like, I mean, what are we doing there? So the thing is, can we build that trust in the community and talk to them? So the first thing to do is talk to them about the vaccine in general, how how it was developed, you know, what was being done. So when the virus started way back when, our only shot was, okay, we need to get a vaccine towards this. We've never seen this virus. And so, like, you know, we've had SARS in 03, and then we had MERS, which is a Middle Eastern respiratory um, uh, virus, and now we have um, COVID-19. And it's essentially, you know, we're in the same family, and it's sort of mutating, Right. So there's been some work that's been done during SARS and MERS on the vaccine stuff. So there, there's been a lot more work than now, but it's not it's not like we started from ground zero. Um, so, you know, when people say, oh, this is done so quickly, well, no, not really. We've been, you know, there's been work happening on this for quite some time. What happened is, is that this is the first time that the entire global economy came to a halt because of one virus. So what did the world do? Take as much money as possible, figure this out. And we don't know who's going to figure it out. So everyone take as much money as possible and figure it out. And lo and behold, we got five vaccines or four vaccines that all proved to be effective, right? And, and not just effective, incredibly effective, right? And on top of that, not only are they incredibly effective, they're incredibly safe. It, it's almost as if, you know, like, like the perfect game, right? This is like, like, like the, the, the chances of this happening the way it happened, like I didn't think it was gonna happen way back when last year. I thought it'd take two years, three years if we were lucky, you know, by the time the testing went done and things just went so well. And it's like, oh, so this is our chance to get out of this mess, right? And now it's like, okay, can we make the virus? Can we make enough of it? Can we get it to the right arm as quick as possible? And now we're figuring out dosing schedules. So first shot versus second shot, and then all the other BS politics that come into play. So what I would tell people if you're vaccine hesitant is the vaccine itself poses little to no harm to you whatsoever. I'd say like less than like 0.1% chance. Right. So like with the mRNA vaccines with Pfizer, essentially what it what it's doing is you get injected. There's no live virus coming into you. So we're not even putting the virus inside of you. We're just saying, here's what the virus looks like. Your body says, oh, cool. Snapshot. When I see that again, I'm going to mess that virus up. Yeah. Right. Right now, the virus enters your body and the body has no idea. It's like, oh, hey, what's up? Are you a friend? Are you a foe? What's going on? Should we start chatting? And then the virus, you know, before you know, it attacks everything. Some people are lucky Cheap and they take all your money. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people are lucky no, and they can fight it. And, and there's, you know, you're there's people are super You're describing marriage, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, good shot. <laughs> no, I got did you, I, did you recently get married? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, um, by the way. He's looking for a vaccine if you have one. That, that was easy. <laughs> like we were, we were talking about, it's easy to play uh, Monday morning quarterback or Tuesday morning because there's also Monday night football, right? So yeah. Tuesday morning quarterback. Yes. But right. when, I look, when I look at it now, it, it almost seems like what they should have done was went for everyone 70 and over and everyone that cannot stop working. So grocery store workers, truck drivers, like it almost seems like that's what should have been or done. Or just anyone who's free. Like the thing is, I think is, Uh-oh. no, my, my, my argument is this, man. It's like, yo, in the States, it's working. The everyone who's free thing is working because at the end of the day, like we got to get 70 year olds to figure out how to use a freaking computer. If I'm yeah. a I get the seven-year-old book. I get myself book too. I'm going there to drop her off anyways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the easiest thing, easiest thing to do is give it to family doctors. Let them all yeah, call their yeah, patients. Yeah. 
and, right? and, and, and we yeah. haven't done that either. We 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 done that sporadically, and so. Like, I think that the U.S. point's important. The U.S. is running laps around us in terms of vaccines, right? And we, you know, I'm sure we've all seen our friends and, and, and on Snap and on Instagram going out and we're hating ourselves right now. Canada still has two and a half times lower the death rate than the U.S., which is exponential lives saved. Like, so I think, and, and by the time it's all said and done, we might be a month or two months behind the U.S. where everyone in Canada will have their first dose, which isn't, it sucks, but it isn't too bad. The issue is right now is how the vaccines are being rolled out who's being prioritized and what communities are being prioritized. Yes. Which is it should go to high-risk communities and high-risk people. Like, how can you give a vaccine to a 65-year-old in Thunder Bay that hasn't left his house in four months and not give it to a 45-year-old truck driver that's on the road and lives in a hotspot? That yeah, makes no sense to me. The guy in yeah. Thunder Bay still thinks Crutchy has prime minister. What's interesting is like... There's so much <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the, the craziest part is what, what's going to derail us is, is the anti-vaxxers. In Gershon's case, they were anti-vaxxers. But I mean, like, because mm. I see a lot of yeah. people that are oh otherwise, otherwise very well-educated, uh, worldly, well-read, that are saying, I saw a video on TikTok and the person got a vaccine and they passed out. I'm like, shut, oh my like, God. shut the fuck yeah. up. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And, and you know, it's weird too, because half the stuff you see, you have no idea how legitimate it is. Or if it's yeah. true. And I see it all the time too. Like the anti-pandemic on WhatsApp is incredible. The things <laughs> that people will share. Like Haldi will save everything, right? And yeah. and I don't know, you know, eating McDonald's will kill you every single day, apparently. Like it just, yeah. I, I, I can't, I, like, it's to the point where I can't even look at it seriously, but it's real. That's right? what's it, funny. It's, it's, funny. It's real. Yeah. What's yeah, funny to me one. is the people that are concerned about it are the ones that are fucking going McDonald's and doing putting. They're totally fine putting like actual toxic shit in their body. Yeah, yeah. Darsh brings up a good point. And one thing that, um, like you know, everyone's really in, in this new like political correct theory, uh, uh, like you know, era. Everyone's really careful. And as a as a fat guy, I can say this because you know, fat is like yo. Uh, like Nathan brings up a good point about equipping ourselves, right? But that's really a band-aid. What we need to do is take care of ourselves. We put such a strain on the health system when we don't take care of our bodies and the government needs to like put money into like subsidizing gyms yeah. or subsidizing yeah. healthier food. I was food. about to say that. Yeah. I was about to say that. This is public health to me. This yeah. is exactly what public health is. For but, a like, government no that pays that. for... Saying, like, hey, yeah. maybe we should... McDonald's should be a little bit more expensive and that money should be diverted towards a okay. fucking broccoli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I, so, I think you'll find this interesting too, is that what's the saying is that we've spent millions of dollars and, and looking at how um, grocery stores are laid out. So, you know, for a long time, when, when you went to grocery stores, um, they placed certain snacks and cereals at the eye level mm -hmm. of children. And they, mm -hmm. they made it a point in the past where you'd, you'd have to walk through process areas to get to things like dairy at the back and get to things that the you know like like green leafy foods and and produce. So you go through these sections, and they put it. They purposely would put it eye level for kids, right? Because they knew like you know if, if a child was with their with their mother or father at the grocery store, they would gravitate towards these things and get them. They would see commercials and their cartoons. Like there were targeted advertisements here, right? We we also had this this issue with sugar sweetened beverages being sold in schools. So you know kids having the option to buy pop when they're in grade three and not understanding the wild, risk of pumping wild. all the sugar into you. Yeah. Right. Right. And so this is public health. Even like when you go through your neighborhoods and you see um, a sidewalk, right. That's public health because we're it's shown that neighborhoods that have a sidewalk, people are more likely to walk and you yeah. decrease the rates of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Having a park does the same thing. So they, when we talk about the design of communities, all these things, like it's, it's all with one intention of how do we lower, not one intention, multiple intentions, but it also helps lower the, the issue on our health system. So you asked the question about mortality. So how do you tell people, you know, take COVID seriously when they think it's the flu in terms of death rate? We have a finite amount of hospital beds in Canada, finite amount. We, we have a health system that is working at around 80 to 90% um, um, maximum capacity in a non-pandemic, in a non-pandemic world. In a non-pandemic world, when's the last time you know one of you guys? Hopefully, you haven't. But if you've gone to an emergency department, you got seen right away. How many people waited four, five hours, six hours in a non-pandemic world? Imagine what life is like right now. We're at the point, literally, right now, where if there's a ten-car accident on the four one, people are not going to get beds, and you can't even go to Kingston because they're full. Orangeville is almost full. Georgetown's almost full. The GTA hospital, like, like we're at the, and this is why it's serious, right? And the reason we actually saw changes. Um, changes this weekend is because if you're rich and you make over 200 grand a year and you have a heart attack, there might not be a bed for you now. So now, now it's serious. 
before it was all good, you know, when, when Brampton Scarborough <laughs> and these haters yeah. are gonna hit, it's all good. You know what? It's all good anyways. They're, they're, they're not our donors. They're, they don't fund it. You know, how much do they really contribute to taxes? But now that you can be a wealthy millionaire, possibly get a heart attack and not have a hospital bed, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. This is a problem. We got to mm-hmm. stop this. Like, you know, and a perfect example is this weekend. Um, the one thing we need is paid sick leave. Like, like it's absolute bullshit that we, we don't have paid sick leave. Even, even Trump signed off on this in the U.S., which, you know, holy crap. And, and in Ontario, we won't. So what that means is if someone is feeling sick, just stay home and we'll give you a certain amount of money per day to stay home. Now, they're not enacting this in policy. It costs exponentially by a factor of five to tenfold for those people to be seen in hospital. So it's more expensive on our system for us not to do this, yet they won't do it. Right, it's like they short-sightedness, and, and then again, it's not short-sightedness. It's intentional, which is a crazy thing, right? Like, like you know, at first, I remember, at first, I'm I'm always on the positive end. I've done a bunch of interviews, and I've always sort of said, you know, I I think they they're trying their best. I I really thought that the people at the provincial side were trying their best. I just didn't think they were intellectually the most gifted people, right? I don't I, I don't I didn't think they understood what they were being told, but now it seems like it's a blatant disregard because we have all the information. We know workplaces are causing it. We know what communities are causing it. We know the zip codes that are causing it. We know the people, the demographics, all this stuff, right? And it's like, yeah, we'll close down parks. So something that's safe to do, we'll close down. And what happens is the people that can sit at home with their kids and that take their kids to park, to parks, which tend to be, you know, um, Caucasian individuals of, of, a high, of a high income bracket, they, ra- they, they raise their hands and they're like, what the hell are you doing? And the party said, uh-oh, we should change this, right? Because I think what's happening is now no one is, is, is supportive of this government. Not private business, not public entities, not Thank teachers, God. not truckers. Not, not the doctors, police. Not, students, not the police. Not the police. <laughs> they so they've the police. alienated everyone, right? Yeah. They've alienated everyone. I, I right? think and, I mean, and they're still leading in points in, it's, the, in the polls. It's, it's a consequence of <laughs> you know, this, the public's fascination with voting for people that you have, quote-unquote, a beer with, Right. That's the that's why George Bush won. That's why Doug Ford won. That's why Rob Ford won. It's just fast and fast. Like people aren't comfortable being told by smart people what to do, right? Yeah. If I fly, are over- they are they leading in polls? There? That's a West. That, that's that's a North American thing. Oh, by the way, my God, that's, that's so disheartening. Thing, that's it, just being subservient, subservient. Yeah. But if subservient. I'm going over a bridge, I trust the fact that the engineers know what they're doing. Yeah. I think yeah. people are just not comfortable. They should stop and watch a quick YouTube video about the safety of the bridge from some dude in his basement <laughs> yeah. to cross or not. What does Alex Jones yeah. say? Can I step on this road? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys this story just because I think, um, I know like a lot of my buddies listen to your, to your pod and a lot of people I know by proxy listen to it. And so I think I'm, I'm going to share a story because I think it'll resonate with our community just because it's something that we can, we can hit. So one of my best friends is an emergency physician in Surrey, Punjabi guy. Um, his grandmother and grandfather, I think grandfather is over hundred years old. His grandmother's like 95 survived everything. Both got COVID, right? Both got admitted to the hospital. He had to, he had to call his grandmother's death, right? So he was the one who called it. Wow. None of the family could come into the hospital. He called it, went straight downstairs. So his, his grandmother was on ventilation. His, um, his grandfather, they call him Babaji was on, on a ventilator downstairs, went up to him and they thought they were going to lose him too had to whisper in his ear saying, you know, like, you know, BB's gone, right? Letting you know right now we're still here with you. He somehow survived. But just think about that instance that's been felt by many people in our community, right? So you can't go to the Gurdwara and have a kanfat safely. Your family can't see, see, you know, see the deceased person and do all the rituals that we have to do safely, right? And my wife went through this as well with her grandfather, who we called Bapuji. He didn't pass away from COVID, but he passed away because he wasn't able to get the health care that he normally would have in a non-pandemic world, right? And so there's parts of this pandemic that I don't think people fully understand yet either is that you haven't been able to grieve properly. Something, you know, like, you know, we have our rituals. Someone passes, go to the Mandar Gurdwara, um, uh, you go to uh, Masjid, wherever, church, you have these ceremonies, things that you do that there's a right way of passage. Imagine not being able to do that the way you want to or having your family say goodbye to, you know, and in our structure, there's a hierarchy, right? there's a respect level. So you can see what it means for your BB or your, um, your you know, your dadadadi, someone to go away, like it's devastating. Right. And so, you know, and, and we isolate those elderly instances and we say, OK, well, they're, they're older. And at first, you know, I, I can get why people would say that. But you go to the ICUs now and there's like people in their 30s and 40s, people like us. Right. And it's skewing and it's skewing like quite quickly downwards. 
And so by, you know, when this is all said and done, we're all going to know someone who knows someone or is someone who's been affected by it directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So when, in terms of vaccines, yeah. like this is the one thing that's going to protect our communities. And again, it's going to protect our communities and protect people like our parents and our uncles and like, you know, our judges, judges, older people, right? It'll protect them as well. But it's going to protect us as well. Like you don't want COVID. You don't want to do with COVID long. Like we're still learning so much crap about this virus, right? What it does to you, what, what it's going to result in. Well, it's crazy. With the- it's sort of cool now. Well, sorry, yeah, sorry, just, to add, just to add to what you're saying there about how a third of people who've had it have like uh, brain issues to this day or after, right? Was, yeah, mm-hmm. breathing uh, issues, brain issues. Yeah, psychological of- anxiety, depression, the people didn't have it before. And another if, thing if you're about- if you're under the age of 25, I think you're, if you're under the age of 20, first of all, everyone's going to be, everyone's going to have some residual damage from COVID. Anxiety, dep- like everyone's going to have some residual this is the one thing that the entire global population can say they've shared lived experience with. So we talked about 9-11 being something that's our generation. Like, you know, we all know where we were at that time. But I think 9-11 affected you a lot more if you were in this part of the world, especially if you're in New York or if you're in Toronto. Like, you know, it was close to home. It affected us. Everyone in the world has been affected by COVID-19. Everyone. Everyone's life. And Kabul, Kabul got affected this, by Yeah, yeah, that's right. Kandahar <laughs> got a little wrong. Yo, uh, sorry, um, sorry, can I, you know, can I say something? Yeah, so the the death, like the funeral thing, I think should really resonate with people. And I'll tell you why. Like when I, I was lucky enough, like complete luck that I got married when I did because the cases were incredibly low. Stage three happened the week of my wedding and the cases, like everyone was cool. Everyone were masked. The capacity was okay. But some, the thing about like weddings and parties and all this stuff is that these are luxuries. Like we're, we have the option to say, hey, you know what? We don't want to do this right now. We could do it later. But there are people who have lost family members and they can't go to their funerals and they can't they can't grieve with their family members. And you don't have a choice. Like you can't say, oh, I'm going to push the funeral. Yeah. Till yeah. Well, is well, like you know, that, that body. The with the fridges they make now. <laughs> yeah. By the way, there's a there's not even enough of those anymore. Like they, those are yeah. all full too with COVID. Yeah, vaccines and I'm. One thing that you know you you brought up like um, the ecosystem and you put that eloquently. But one thing that you didn't that I don't think we mentioned. This goes down Darsha's alley. Is that factory farming is a big fucking issue. Yeah, and we're so deeply entrenched yeah. in factory farming yeah. um, that these diseases are going to keep on coming when you like mad cow disease we have we haven't even gone to super bugs yeah and 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 how do we fix that and how do we tell people and for some reason there's this ego attached to eating meat and there's this ego attached to being told what to eat being told what to do whenever you tell someone they get all fucking you know cross-eyed but how do we we meat is tasty but yo smee not just add the meat thing because going back to nathan what you're saying about the deforestation most deforestation is done for uh palm oil right yeah and so and that's processed fucking food that's the vegans but everyone's guilty of eating that shit uh so and that's one of the biggest culprits too right so we gotta like yeah everyone's gotta like people who already don't eat meat they still gotta not eat potato chips and shit they got you know because all of it has such a trickle <laughs> yeah. it's all it, especially like you know as a, a vegan like I have to really think about it because now I just got into how like organic flex. organic produce. No, no, I meant like I have to like kidding, look, kidding, look at my own like hypocrisies, right? <laughs> yeah. Like because for a while I was all about organic food and then you find out that organic farming contributes more to um, animal agriculture than the dairy industry does. Yeah, because it takes far more. Well, well, dude, the- gosh, what I learned was grass fed. Yeah. If they were just fed grass like equity, that's enough. Nice <laughs> yeah. If, if they yeah. had one blade of grass. Yeah. 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 Well, well, it's a, it's like organic produce, right? The farms yeah. are side by side. They spray one side, leave the yeah. other side. Yeah. So it really doesn't do much. Just yeah. wash your wash your vegetables, they, no matter more, what. <laughs> more money goes towards fucking because because organic farming is such a fucking scam. Literally, they're using manure and the ground up uh, baby male chicks, right? So uh, from the egg industry in the soil. So they're grown in fucking meat. So more money. So essentially organic farming is a place that factory farms can sell their shit and their leftover corpses. So they make money twice. They're making money on fucking the meat eaters and they're making money on the people that are supposedly vegan veggie because they're buying the shit that grew in their crap. I have a question, another question about the vaccine. And Mm -hmm. um, I read an article and I'd like to say I understand. Epoch, it. Epoch Times. That's yeah. uh, such and <laughs> such and <laughs> is the first I, subscriber. I, 
I'd like media. to say, I, yeah, I rebel media for sure. But I'd like to say I understood it, and uh, um, I was high, so I didn't gather a lot of it. But they were talking about how yeah. this mRNA <laughs> vaccines is supposed to be a game changer for cancer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the the fact that this vaccine has worked and it's worked so well. Um, I think the vaccine technologies is going to be used in a multitude of ways moving forward. So cancer is one of them. Um, the mRNA vaccine, so that's the Pfizer vaccine, um, is, is it's, it's incredibly low risk. So what they did was they had 43,000 people that they tested this vaccine on. They, they cut them in half. So 21 and a half thousand people got a placebo. So just a, like a, let's say water and sugar or water and salt got injected. The other half got the Pfizer vaccine. They went, they threw them back out into the universe. Uh, they found out that 170 people got the virus. Of the 170, 162 were in the placebo group eight were in the vaccine group no of the eight in the vaccine group no one ended up in the hospital 100 percent of the vaccines prevent hospitalization and death 100 percent of them whether you get astrazeneca johnson johnson pfizer moderna whatever one you get you're not going to die or end up in the hospital we know that for for certain the longer the virus stays in our communities the longer the virus has a chance to jump from person to person the more likelihood we're going to get a variant that can escape the vaccine mm-hmm so this is why the race to vaccine, it's, it's sort of, you know, the viruses get transferred through hosts. If hosts run out, the virus dies because there's no one it can jump to to survive. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, what is it, venom and spawn? It needs yeah. to jump to someone. If that person doesn't exist, the virus dies out. So we need to yeah. get the vaccine to people. We need, what a subtle, is, we need a genocide is what you're saying. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not saying that. Um, yeah, I must understand that too. Sounds <laughs> no, like, hey, I know some tricks from '84. I learned. Yeah. <laughs> so you 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 wanna you wanna make sure that that if, if if you're waiting to get the vaccine, get it. By the time that you know you might change, come around to it, there might be a variant that's so strong that that's the variant that you might get. Like, like the chance of getting COVID is is going to increase with the way the case counts are. We know it's in our community. We don't know where. We just know it's everywhere. That's, that's why we shut things down because we can't trace it. We can't contact trace it and say, oh, so-and-so got it here and they met so-and-so. Let's get all of them and let's stop the spread of it. It's to the point where it's just like, it's everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, yeah, mask wearing is, is hugely important. Physical distancing is hugely important. But again, people are getting really tired, right? And it's the summer. And we thought by now things should have been sorted. I think we all said, okay, you know what? We'll sacrifice one summer, sacrifice, you know, one Christmas. We'll, we'll you know, we'll get by these things. But this summer was the summer we're all supposed to sort of go wild, right? Like, let's open things up and go crazy. And we're seeing like our friends in the US partying and going crazy. And we're sitting here and we're like, we're stuck at home. We're still stuck at home. And the worst part about it is that we have the answer to get out of this mess. Like we literally have the answer. We know what to do. We know how to do it and we can do it right now. And it's just not being done. And I think that's the frustrating part is that, that people are going to die. that don't have to die. Um, people are going to lose the most formative years of your life. So, you know, like Gershon mentioned, like he's married and he got to go through that. Imagine you're someone in this courtship phase. And, and you know, if, if you're in our culture, marriages are like the, the end all or everything. Like getting married is like your life pinnacle event. <laughs> Finding someone's pretty hard, pretty hard too, right? So if you're in this year where you can't meet people, like, you know, yeah. forget the forget the the parking lot flexes that used to happen in a non-pandemic world. Now it's like, wow, there are five cars in a parking lot. Guys are doing Bhangra because they're stuck at home and they're tired, right? And, and they want to get out and everyone's frustrated. And we know yeah. what to do, right? And I think that's the, the, the frustrating part. So um, but, I hope um, we can get through it. What silver lining has there been in like, okay, okay so I want silver lining made the wrong word, but... <laughs> we obviously have a uh, live okay flu deaths got to be down right car deaths accident yeah. deaths. so flu, are we- flu especially flu has dropped down considerably people wear a mask and they wash their hands and all of a sudden it's like oh the flu rate has dropped down like 10 to 15 fold so when like how many flu deaths are there normally in canada every year in the thousands okay so yeah so we're yeah. way ahead on the so yeah yeah mm-hmm. And, 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 I'm trying to even it up, Darsh. Like, I'm say, just okay, trying to see, man. Is there a net? Can we get to net? Can we get from COVID? But yeah, but, I can. You know what? You know but what a million died from poverty is what Sach is going to say. A million died. Yeah. 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 Well, no, but that's what it is. That's the silver lining. Is you know we weren't collecting race-based data until this virus hit, because there was yeah. never a need to know how minorities were affected by certain things. Because who cares? Yeah. When this virus hits, if it's Lock in the us. poor community, if it's in the poor community, it affects the rich. Yeah. Right. So COVID is a virus that's been spread by the rich and is killing the poor because in order to travel, you have to have money to travel, right? So the virus is brought in by people that can travel. It's been spread yeah. by people that can travel. And the people that are dying are the ones that yeah. can't travel. It's but spread by work. people that have friends 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Friend and now that now that the rich are getting it back when when uh Gurpreet delivers your McDonald's order and and all that stuff, now it's a problem, right? It's a problem. <laughs> yeah. And then and, and then you get told that it's you know the people are being blamed. And, and then the people yeah. in these communities are being blamed, which looks like the communities don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but, but you know, our, our community, for the most part, I mean, you talk about 84, this is a resilient community, right? Like, like, sure. like just, think, just think about the shit that people from, from our background have gone through, right? And so it's, it's not that the community just disregards it. It's, are you communicating with the community properly? Do you understand how to get to them? Do you, you know, like, it's, like, how much messaging has come out in Punjabi? Like how many, like how many Punjabi physicians that can speak Punjabi are actually, you know, at the initially were being asked to come on the news. Besides Govinder Gill. Oh, 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 oh man, I, I, I won't even touch that. But that's that's a travesty in itself. They needed to have Jaginder Basi do a show on COVID. That's what yeah. needed to happen. That would have been amazing. <laughs> they need Siddhu, uh, Siddhu. Except maybe like 80 commercials in a two-minute span. Siddhu needs a song called Tika. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should we should have some like brown boy beef, right? And then everyone yeah. would watch it and figure out what the vaccine has to do yeah. with it. Siddhu's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so got a new song called Pfizer the Tika. Pfizer the Koli, Pfizer the Tika. Jay Static on the beat and we wild. Yeah. Uh, John, you have a question that we can do? You guys want to do last question after Kishan's uh, question? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Nitin, I wanted to ask you. So my dad, my dad shared an article with me today uh, about antivirals so what's the difference between like an antiviral and a vaccine and what are the odds of us getting antiviral treatment anytime soon yeah like i've heard of sprays i've heard of like a like a throat spray yeah i don't know about the antivirals um, getting anytime soon for covid but vaccines essentially depending on how they develop we're talking about preventing um preventing the disease altogether so we're not talking about treating something we're talking about preventing it um, which again is, is, is public health 101 is it's much cheaper and effective to prevent a disease and to treat it. We much rather prevent some meat from getting diabetes and treating his diabetes 10 years from now. It's much more expensive for him to, to, to you know, for us to go through that, right? Let, let, let's stop him from getting it. And I think that's what the vaccines are meant to do. And so depending on the vaccine <laughs> developed, there's different ways. Um, the, anti, the antiviral stuff for COVID, Krishan, I'm not the most well-versed on it right now. Um, okay. It's probably a, a virologist that can go through the, the pathophysiology, all that mm-hmm. fun stuff with it. It's not something that I think right now is is, is um, on the radar for COVID from my understanding, but the vaccines are definitely our, our end-all be-all right now. So, you know, if anyone, if anyone, like, if, if you can slam three shots of crown at your cousin's wedding, you can get the vaccine. You could take like, one seriously. shot of a vaccine straight yeah. up. Two shots yeah. of a vaccine. <laughs> For every shot of crown, you take a vaccine. I, I got, I got, sorry, I, I wanted to say something. Uh, well, I think Samit wanted to say something for a little while there because I, I saw oh, something coming. No, that's that's all right. Mine was in, in, in response to three shots of crown. It's like, yo, I don't respect anyone who drinks crown. It means <laughs> 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 like if it's less than $200 of the bottle, I want nothing to do with it. It's <laughs> like that, isn't it? It's on it like that. I'm a sister, dude. They should have a Punjabi club only. Yeah, so me drinks uh he drinks the backwash out of beer bottles um <laughs> dude, I drink the, dude i drink the bath backwash of mouthwash dude <laughs> that that actually isn't so bad when you think of it um i just want to say thank you first of all didn't yeah. uh, time, guys. great work yeah, dude. yeah. yeah. Second of all, uh, and I've said this before the pandemic even, how the Canadian government can pay for our health care, well, technically we pay for it through taxes, and not make gyms at least free, and if not free, tax deductible, is beyond me. It makes absolutely no sense. No, but yeah. you, remember, we've talked about this before. you got to go beyond that. you got to just fucking luxury tax snacks, sugary drinks, all this crap. But and make at least make start fucking with... kale-free. Just make kale-free. <laughs> no, but at least, like at least start with giving people excuse to join the freaking gyms. And then yeah. right? I, but the gym is still kind of preventative too. Obviously, there's other benefits of it, but I mean, like, I think nutrition is the main failure. I, in my opinion, based on whatever I've come across, you need to eat a burger. Nutrition, ninety. <laughs> yeah, it, everyone says losing weight is eighty percent diet. Right? Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of weight through this pandemic. Diet pills. Um, huh? <laughs> one quick question that's a, a little off topic before we go. Um, yeah. Uh, I have, I have doctors in my family and doctors that I speak to. A lot of them argue that perhaps it's time for us to deviate from the public health system and do sort of a two-pair system or start um, privatizing a little bit. 
What are your thoughts on that? So when you say deviate from the public health system, you mean the healthcare system? Because public health is an entirely different system alongside the healthcare system. So I think you mean like if you were to see your family doctor, having the option of saying, you know, yes. I'll pay to see someone else. Yes. Um, like I, I, I'll pay to like spend a good 30 minutes instead of Advil. You know yeah, I mean? I mean, you know, for the rich and wealthy, that already exists. The people just fly to the U.S. for most of the treatments. Yeah, yeah. We have the wealth for it. In, in terms of the Canadian context. Um, like, for example, like if when someone visits the emergency ward, um, if, 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 if it's not worth the visit, they're still costing, like, was it $300 a visit or $150 a visit? Yeah, I mean, healthcare is super expensive. I mean, talk to anyone in the U.S. who, you know, who has to pay for it. There's a reason, like, our, our healthcare is sort of subsidized, but Canada, you know, we have something called a standard of care here, mm -hmm. right? In the U.S., you get the best possible treatment. Mm -hmm. So in the U.S. money talks, what they'll do is they'll say, you know, for this disease, um, let's say the gold standard for treating a certain cancer is um, medications that cost well within the six figures. Mm -hmm. If that's the gold standard and that's proven to be like the best possible thing, that's what the U.S. will recommend. Canada will say is, you know, while well, this is a gold standard and we want to do what's best, the data shows that this other medication has 80 to 90% effectiveness and it's, you know, considerably cheaper. And we're going to give you the standard of care based on the evidence. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have money in Canada and you want to pay for it, you know, theoretically that, that creates a system that should ease up the flow over, you know, the issues that we have. What's going to happen is rich people are going to, what's the incentive for a physician not to be privatized. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you're going to have the entire population that's already getting fucked by COVID. Right, like aren't physicians in Ontario already pissed off though? Because like a lot, like I know, I know a lot of physicians have been going to Alberta for more pay. Um, they feel like they're seeing even before the pandemic more patients. Like Linda, Ford, the reason she got famous was because she was pissed off with Kathleen Wynne and she wanted Patrick Brown or Doug Ford to like step up for the doctors. Um, yeah, you know what though? She, you know, this. I think it, it's it's hard to discuss that because it seems like if you if anyone mentions that name, you just get added to a lawsuit. Um, but but the thing is is that in general that's my statement yeah so I mean, you're I, a lawyer I, I, why do you care to me <laughs> yeah. well she has me blocked so she doesn't know what i'm saying yeah, yeah well i mean you know what to me just a heads up i think if you are do this eventually you get added to the, this giant lawsuit that, that she's sort of putting towards everyone and i know this because colleagues of mine have have spoken out against her just to get included into a lawsuit oh. um but what i think in general anyone so people have their views on health care and obviously obviously physicians who want privatized models your physicians who, who don't see the benefit of that for our purpose in canada and the way our health care system is structured i think it would be one difficult to move to a privatized privatized version but more importantly i think it would be detrimental to our people across That's the country yeah i think you'd be yeah there, our system is not set up for that in general and as well not possible yeah. right now. should i do a, 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 a lot so nathan we end off uh, the podcast we're doing the last question yeah um so why don't we do uh um should we could do uh, what's something that you feel like is the most positive aspect uh of, of covid that you would hold on to like you'll look back and be like you know what that was pretty cool other than like millions of death this <laughs> out of covid we'll start with such and then we'll go down I, I think I said this before, but I think uh, spending more time with my family, man. I realized, A, that I could uh, w without wanting to kill somebody. Yeah. Uh, and you realized, B, that they could. Yeah, <laughs> without wanting to kill me. And I realized, C, that they're, they're the, for the most part, they're pretty fun to hang out with. Um, yeah. Rashawn, different questions, different answers, though. He already went with okay. family. No, I'll give you a different answer. Um I think that especially for the first like two or three months of COVID, we didn't eat food from outside at all. Like we, yeah. we didn't go, we didn't get any takeout, nothing. So uh, I think that like we've experimented with so many different kinds of cool foods that our like library of what to choose from now has grown. Mm -hmm. like, so Were you part of the food preparation process, Sean? I've never seen you do much in the kitchen. I've, wow, that's <laughs> offensive. Shots that's fired. A, no, it's true. It's true. He ate it. Gashon's yeah, very yeah. traditional when it comes to the kitchen. He says men don't belong there. <laughs> if you go to Gershon's house, it's the one part of him that leans jacked. There's, there's oh, yeah. actual, yeah, there's actual line in his kitchen, and if you walk yeah. past it, he's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And yeah, you have to back you, know, you know, you know, what we actually have actually our appliances have a fingerprint scanner, and only the women's <laughs> fingerprints are red on yeah. it. Transitioning so, in Gershon's household no, is going I into have the no kitchen. part of this part of the party. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Nathan, yeah. Nathan, how are you? 
you know, I also this, I think we give a lot of, uh, we, we've been hard on the generation, like, you know, the Gen Zs and millennials. I've seen a lot of positive stuff come out of people under the age of 30 and 25, but there's been this whole movement of people. There's like people that are woke, like fake woke. And there's people that are just like actually woke. They're like, hold on, we can figure out what's happening here. We know what to do. We're not all just idiots who are partying and getting COVID. Like there are people protecting their families. Like there's this cool project called, um, I think Ontario COVID-19 or the Ontario Canada project. Where it's these students in Western from undergrad, a bunch of Gen Zs just got together and said, we're going to put out like information for our, our people. Right. And they have like 10, 20,000 people followers. And I think that part has been cool to see that, you know, this, like our people sort of coming together to get that messaging out. That's been really positive to me. So I think the next generation of people coming out, they're going to know a lot more than even the boomers right now know. The boomers go on TV and, and what, what they see and hear, they, they listen to. This other generation is like, hold up one second. I'm going to do my own research, figure things out. And what's happening is there's a lot of BS research out there that's, that's touting it. But pretty soon, the good stuff's going to come out there and they're going to know how to source it and we're going to be much better off moving forward. Mm. Good answer. That's a good take. I think, uh, I think the, how the vaccine came together, like when you put the, so many resources to something, a, a problem, you can get it done. You can, it's almost miraculous, right? They've been working on these things for years. And well, some people will say, oh, they must have had it already. They, they, how did they make it? I'm like, nah, they've been doing it. And now when you put the world's resources towards a problem, you can do fucking incredible things. Dude, and, if you put 10 Indian doctors in a room, you're either going to get a vaccine or BO. Like you're going to get <laughs> Or both. Or both. Or, or, a, both. or a Gomi party. Yeah. So like, I can't I, wait for that, by the way. I can't yeah. wait for the first one after the 10th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a go genocide month, by the way. So there's a... You'll there's eat. A, yeah. um, so I think, what, I think what is hopeful for it is like we are... There's like a hope that we can science our way out of a lot of shit. Cause we're, I feel like this is just like scratching the surface to how bad things are going to be, you know, when yeah, so on. And then, so it's like, okay, they're going to come up with some algae that's going to eat every bit of fucking plastic in the ocean. <laughs> they're going to come up with, <laughs> you know? So like, okay, as soon as I think there's a sense of urgency, cause surprising there still isn't for most things, but when mm. there is, you know. And, and that algae is going to create another disease. That we're be um, I'm a I'm a Batman for the rest of the episode. My answer would probably, my answer would be the destruction of the Ontario PC party. Oh yeah, and uh, the destruction of Doug Ford. Yeah, it, I think that is. You know what's so? Oh, the Batman thing. I think that's the best thing uh, COVID, and I think the sucky part is the fact that uh, Del Del Duca, whatever his name is, oh, the uh, yeah, Stephen Del, Del Duca, yeah. Of like he got a layup and he he thought it was soccer and kicked the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yeah, heard one like, thing from this guy. Does he do anything? At the start of uh, he alive? Uh, Doug Ford had this video where he baked the cheesecake and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Luca came out with another one the day after. I'm like, you're so lame, dude. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, but he looks oh, like a cheesecake, so that's. Cool. I don't I don't know who said it, but I think but, the, the, the the thing that I stick with most is that if you elect a clown, you should expect the circus, and that's what we have in Ontario. Mm -hmm. there's a reason there's a reason why we're on cnn and the washington post washington post on the front page uh, new york times saying doug fortune resigned what's happening in ontario like what's happening in ontario is going to be talked about for generations we're going to teach this to to med students to students across the world there's gonna be documentaries on this there's gonna be like what's happening here is wild and it's i I don't even put it into words it's it's simply it's like we know these people are dying we know what to do but we're just gonna pretend like it's not happening i'm gonna play the role of nick in the cbc movie the cbc movie i want to play yeah yeah Yeah. you're gonna play you're gonna play nitin at age 78 yeah Um, i think you're you're probably born a suitor to play like the first guy on a ventilator i think (laughs) (laughs) oh yo i'm gonna play the ventilator uh, <laughs> yo Nathan, thanks so much for joining yeah, us man, boys. you've done we, we gotta do this time. again but yeah, time, this again. Thanks, next time i was thinking we could talk about how china created this in a lab and you- <laughs> okay <laughs> again again i have no part of that on the record Until next week. thanks Until thanks next Nathan, week. for joining us Nathan is a, a chinese flu specialist <laughs> again no part of this Nathan, on the record where can uh, people follow you for more information on either instagram or twitter or um, I think on Twitter, um, I think uh, my handle is I created when I was, I think it's at, at Nitin underscore M85, super professional, but it is what it is. Same age um, as Sean, nice, nice. Same age as your Sean. Um, yeah, follow me. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm, wow. I'm not super active on Twitter, so it's not exciting. I get really angry. You've been, you've been really stuff. active actually in the last like little while. Yeah, uh, things are crazy in the last little while. I, I hope it's not like this, you know, a month or two from now. But buckle up, everyone. Stay safe. Now's not the time to take any risks. Tell your family to stay safe and get vaccinated as soon as possible. I'm going to go as soon as, on Tuesday. As soon as it opens, I'm going to shoppers. Because yeah, yeah. Condoms. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just see my career. Just Actually, I forgot to ask, though, what is, what is, what's the underlying difference, though, between uh, you got the mRNA, mRNA vaccines versus the Pfizer or versus AstraZeneca's? Or AstraZeneca's mRNA. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I thought is is it Johnson, Johnson and Johnson? Johnson and Johnson's not. Oh, okay. They, okay. Use, baby, they use baby powder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, this is good. <laughs> Take care, everyone. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>